Well, hello, this is Gary, and you're listening to Thinking Out Loud. This particular podcast recorded November 20th, 2020, in the wee hours of the morning. So that's still going on in this country. Many things beyond just Trump and the... uh, you know, non-transition, the refusal to accept defeat. Um, you know, there's all the other things that have been going on in this country as well. Kind of uh, various divisions that were stoked during the last four years, and and of course the coronavirus. That's still, you know, continues to spread and get contracted, and people continue to die. Hospitals are, over, are overextended, overextended, you know, the, many of the hospitals are at full capacity, and yet there's still millions just refusing to believe it's real. It's kind of, you know, what are you gonna do? So, weird time, you know, uh, this, this, certain level of optimism because you know in January in January the new the president-elect will be inaugurated and become president but it's kind of a thing of how you know because all the world is watching and everything that's happening right now it's going to be in the history books what you know the ruling party is doing right now what the um, current president is doing who is in his final term, uh, his final couple months. Is he setting a precedent uh, for future presidents? Hopefully not. I mean, in this vote that happened a, you know, a couple weeks ago, uh, it wasn't even close. You know, it, it was a pretty decisive victory by Joe Biden. The, the final end in the electoral college win probably resulted in uh, several hundred thousand in, in the actual states that were so-called battleground. But um, yeah, we need to get rid of the electoral college because the vote was not that close. You know, Donald Trump lost by several million, over four million votes. You know, so he, I mean, he he did very well. He got a ton of votes, and that, that's good for him. He somehow convinced 71 million people to vote for him. 71 million. That is a lot of people. That is a big, massive contingency of people. Um, Yeah. 71 million. I mean, that's the sort of... And I think that's almost like what's going on with the Trump regime and Republican Party that's staying aligned with them. They got 71 million votes. They got like the second most in history. Thankfully, the year that they got the second most in history was the same year that the most votes in history were obtained by their opponent. But I think it's because they feel like 71 million should have done it, you know? Like that should have won them the vote, won them the election. With that many, they somehow convinced 71 million people 
to vote Donald effing Trump. Amazing, you know. The organization as a whole, primarily focused on protecting the interests of the wealthy, somehow convinced millions, tens of millions of working class people who will not benefit in any way from those Republicans' policies. Yet they voted for them anyway. The main way Republican Party and Donald Trump were able to convince regular people to vote Republican and to vote Trump was by scaring them. You know, if you vote for Democrats, the Democrats are going to instill socialism. Yeah. And they're not really, really explaining what socialism is, and they're not really being clear with the fact that no, no, the Democrats are not trying to instill socialism. In fact, there's plenty of Democrats that aren't even really for universal health care, necessarily. You know, it's, it's the Democratic Party. You know, it's the party of democracy. You know, it's the organization protecting the interests of the people, of the, you know, the most diverse population in the history of human civilization. So it's, it's got a lot of different types of people a lot of different political objectives and such. It's the sort of counterpoint to the Republican Party. It's the option if benefiting the wealthy is not your primary concern as a voter, you have this one other option that, that you're given. But if you're totally cool with the government spending most of its time uh, creating laws that benefit wealthy people exclusively, um, then you, you then vote Republican, and, and millions of people did. A lot of them, it's out of denial, uh, a, ref a refusal to accept what the Republican Party truly is, what it is, you know, what it does do. You know, they have these other ideas of what it is that are false, you know, um, because they believe propaganda or certain streams of information that tell them the Republican Party is doing all these wonderful things, but mostly they don't even try to pretend like they're doing wonderful things. They don't really try to sell themselves. It's more, the other one is bad, you know. So it's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot going on, because there's, I'm all for, you know, political opinions and, and beliefs and things, but we, over the last four years, we descended into something totally different. There isn't like, what is your theory on the best way to rule a government? It, it's more, you know, what shit can you make up to justify doing the wrong thing? You know, what is right and wrong anymore? You know? Is it, is it wrong to put a child in a cage? The answer is yes, it is wrong to do that. And it's called child abuse. You should go to jail if you're doing something like that. If you're locking up a... Now, let's add the wrinkle of they were walking across the desert without paperwork. Does it, would that justify throwing them into jail for several months? And let's add in another wrinkle of let's kind of uh, separate them from their parents and then let's kind of lose contact with their parents. Like maybe we deport them to a country they're not even from and then just kind of 
you know, stop caring or putting in any initiative into trying to uh, reunite the parents with their children. You know, if you voted Trump, you voted for that. You voted for that. You, you know, whatever you tell yourself about how bad the Democrats are, you voted for children being locked up in cages because they were walking across the desert without paperwork. You voted for that. 71 million people voted for child abuse. Ironically, many of these people that voted for child abuse as a matter of policy, i.e. throwing children in a cage for the crime of trespassing. Yeah. Many of the people who support that also support this sort of weird conspiracy theory that has something to do with the QAnon stuff, you know. They're supposedly believing that their primary concern is protecting children, these QAnon people, but it, it's believing in a made-up conspiracy theory, something to do with the Democrats and all this, and it's, it's complete bullshit. Meanwhile, though, there are real live children being abused as a matter of policy by the Trump administration, and they're totally okay with it. 71 million people said, yes, please. Let's punish people for trespassing. Hmm. Some of those same people who are enthusiastically supporting punishing children for trespassing will regularly, on an almost weekly basis, or at least throughout the year, will recite the line, forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. They'll say that over and over again throughout their lives, throughout the year, they'll say that line and then they'll support a policy of child abuse for the crime of trespassing. Hmm. 71 million. It's, it's crazy. How did it get this far? You know, how did people get so enamored with gold and wealth and toys and stuff that they were able to be unable to see who a person really was, you know, like, like people not knowing that Trump is racist, people not knowing that he's corrupt, people not knowing that he's a con man, why is that a thing, what, why, why, you know, it just, it doesn't make sense, what, why are there so many people who, who voted for him? And they voted for him. They didn't vote against his opponent. No, they voted for him. Why are there so many people that are voting for what he represents? While claiming to be supporting a completely opposite ethos, you know. And the one I bring up quite often because it's a personal connection for me. I grew up in the church. I was raised Methodist and I was confirmed in the church when I was in... Uh, probably about sixth or seventh grade is is though you know the type of people that I grew up with that were part of my community when I was a kid you know church going folk the percentage of church going folks claim to be Christian who voted Trump what what is going on there you know so what is that you know what's that about why are those people supporting Trump and and not like 
praying for him to like change and be better and to get help? Why are they just blindly supporting him? Why are they doing this? What are they doing at church? What are they learning? You know, I remember the the basics, you know, the message being pretty basic and kind of almost redundant. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, you know. Forgive our trespasses, we forgive those who trespass against us, you know. Deliver me not from temptation, but deliver me from evil. It's a, you know. But somewhere people got a little confused, you know. They're... I forget when it started being a thing, but I think it's right around the time I started, like, kind of drifting away from the churches. Um, the wealth gospel. Now, that's an actual thing, you know. There's church leaders who preach the wealth gospel. Yeah. Um, there is no wealth gospel. There is no gospel of Jesus encouraging you to be greedy. <laughs> And that's what it's about, you know. They're, they're they're pretending they're being virtuous by being greedy, you know, overindulgence, you know, praying for a private jet. No, you don't. You don't need a private jet. No. And if, well, and do I think it's evil to get a private jet? No, not necessarily. But I think pretending like it's your doing it for some virtuous reason no you you want it because you're greedy you, you, you want it because you want to feel powerful and affluent and all that sort of thing that's why you want it you know you want the privilege of it being able to get from point A to point B quicker without the weight and all that sort of thing and you don't care about the cost it's it's not because it's necessary or something it's not because you're purely thinking of others when you buy your own private jet no and as far as like you know um to a, a church leader trying to pretend like the private jet is so that they can uh, you know testify and and sort of give their testimonials and sort of spread the word yeah you don't need a private jet to do that yeah get start walking and start driving around you know, meet random people, meet regular people. The type of people you're going to be rubbing elbows with in a private jet, they're not regular people. They're, they're not the common folk. So, yeah, you don't need a private jet. If you want a private jet, admit that you ha you are wanting it for your own personal indulgent reasons, not, not for some, which, whatever. But just know that that's what it is. It's not because God is commanding you to have a private jet. It's so annoying, wealth gospel. But people do it, you know. They want to, they want to feel like, you know, focusing on the money, focusing on all the toys that they want, and and kind of giving in to that sort of greedy desire can be good in some way, you know, or at a minimum to not feel guilty about it. And so I think that's what where the wealth gospel kind of comes from. People want to feel comfortable in... They don't want to feel guilty about being greedy. So, you know, kind of create that thing. But I think it's kind of from that that kind of... Once you kind of start doing stuff like that, it becomes less of a leap for, you know, a church leader, pastor, minister, 
to sort of encourage people to vote for an antichrist. <laughs> it's less of a leap, you know, because you already got people that are like thinking that greed is good. It's good to be greedy, and they're hearing it in a church. Obviously, this is not universal. There's plenty of churches that are sticking with the basics, you know, sticking with the, the actual teachings and not making up nonsense, you know, to encourage bad behavior. But some did over the last few years. There was, you know, respected religious leaders that told their followers to support Trump, a famous antichrist, you know, a, a man who has lived his life the complete antithesis to the teachings of Jesus. He, his, his life has no, his life is more similar to Saul, you know, a sort of wretched, ruthless person, vindictive, cruel, who causes lots of harm to others. Saul eventually reformed later in his life and became Paul. You know, kind of changed his ways for him, accepted Jesus, you know, and became a better person. Trump is very old, the twilight of his years. Does he have it in him to reform all these years into it? it you know, it seems pretty clear at this point that he does, he has no desire to do that. Which is kind of important in order for you to make a change and to be different. For me personally, I was a pretty straight edge kid up until uh, about age 20. And then I went off to college. My first years of college were at a community college in my hometown. So I didn't leave for college until I was 20 and it was my junior year of college. And that year, Ellensburg, Washington, Central Washington, uh, just kind of did a little bit of everything after never really having done anything, you know, sex, drugs, and alcohol, you know. And just kind of off to the races I was for several years and just kind of drifted away from straight-edge lifestyle. Um, went so deep into kind of, you know, um, that kind of way that I, I don't really even know how to be, like, straight-edge anymore. But needless to say, I don't really drink or do drugs like I did back in the old days. Caffeine, nicotine, cannabis. Those are my uh, substances. And in the area that I live, Washington State, all three are fairly culturally acceptable. In certain parts of the country, only the first two would be culturally acceptable, nicotine and uh, caffeine. But... Um, and but not cannabis in some parts of the country cannabis is strictly frowned upon and you'll go to jail if you just have it on you um but not here and not the cannabis i got it just went to a store but all that to say that you know there was many years of just kind of um being pretty wild and crazy and just kind of living for the night um you know three four nights a week and college years were pretty hectic crazy and wild and especially after living most of my time growing up in a small town uh, you know it was just good to get out and sort of you know met lots of people it was a like high energy time and uh, it was a very normally pretty reserved not really a big like being the center of attention or anything but uh, there's some years there when I transferred to Eastern there was pretty well-known about campus, you know, it was, it was a fun time. I uh, was on student government for a year, was in a fraternity, played rugby, was on track team my first year at Eastern. And, 
I just, uh, there wasn't a lot of thought, I guess, to future. The one thing I do remember as I was living my wild times in my 20s, drinking four or five nights a week, if not more, and, uh, you know, kind of using dangerous drugs to excess, I uh, knew that at some point while I was living it that I would have to, like, explain myself later. But I think I had an idea at the time that I just wouldn't live long enough to have to worry about it. I kind of thought that I wouldn't make it past 30. And, uh, but I did. And then, you know, so it was around early 30s. It was like, well, I might have to, I might be here a while. So I'm going to have to make some changes. You know, kind of reconnected with my spiritual roots a little bit better. Um, I still, I always ha like to have a Bible nearby. I'm not, I don't really think there's a one particular way to be a Christian. Um, but that's somehow how it's, sometimes that's how it's presented by certain Christian leaders. They'll, they'll kind of dictate to you. They're just a person. No more, I'm just a person, you know. So it's, they have their idea. Based, but the book's there, so you can kind of read it for yourself. So I always like to have it kind of nearby and, um, you know, read it at kind of more of a random. Just kind of randomly open it and just kind of... Because I, I don't really read it just like a front-to-cover book, you know. It is more almost like a, like a textbook or a spiritual guide or something, you know. It's there when you need it. Anyway, you know, those times I knew that at some point I would have to give, you know, what my, my so-called uh, testimonial, I guess. Um, and I was almost like sort of sarcastic about it at, at the time, way back then. But it's, you know, somehow I came through all those 20s, wild and crazy as they were, fairly unscathed, a few scars, a few chipped tooth, dislocated shoulder. Few injuries here and there that are yes, purely 100% alcohol related, and then uh, you know, a lot of just bad memories too. You know, just waking up in some random spot or uh, just hearing the next day about some stupid thing I'd done the night before in a blacked out craze. You know. Other than that, though, um, you know. Fairly unscathed, I'm relatively was relatively healthy in early in 30s, so I just kind of made the switch to stop drinking alcohol as much and um, kind of reconnecting teachings of Jesus and uh, being a little more vocal, I guess, because for a while I didn't even call myself Christian. I called myself more of an agnostic. I, I, I would never say atheist or anything like that. That atheism doesn't make sense to me god is therefore god is i don't really understand atheism it doesn't make any sense it being agnostic i understand that you know that makes sense i understand why someone would be agnostic but i don't really understand the concept of atheism it just doesn't really make any sense to me um nothing but love for people that think that way you know i have a couple cousins that are atheists you know cool people and all it's just i don't i don't really get that philosophy that doesn't it doesn't compute god is therefore god is you know it's um whatever path you choose to try to connect with the spirit of the universe or whatever 
um, you know, there's there are different paths, you know, and the one that worked well for me personally, um, the teachings of Jesus, that this kind of kind of helped lay a nice uh, foundation, I guess, to kind of best um, get through the world, this life, you know. Uh, the ups and downs and the struggles and the sort of temptations and the uh, conflicting impulses and stuff. I find I found that those teachings were a good steadying influence. To the point like of, you know, yeah, you're going to have to explain yourself at some point all these crazy years. Well, like while I was in my 20s, I sort of, well, I did know. But maybe I just didn't want to believe it at the time because I didn't think I was going to live past 30. But, uh... There was a, you know, there definitely was an inner voice that was like, no, you're you're gonna have to explain yourself at some point. So, all these years later, now I'm 40, really good health, um, you know, working full time. I had a glass of wine yesterday. I'm not, I don't really believe in complete abstinence, but you know, more vocal about what my beliefs are. Uh, there's been things happening these last few years that have kind of kind of you know forced issue you got to kind of come out with it you know there's there's different factions of america now um we are very divided uh in not a geographic way in a, in a sort of a life philosophy way there's some people that believe that you should treat others with respect and honor and dignity and i'm also a member of the legion of honor the principles of our attorney of love truth and honor um you know those thing; those principles are very important to me. You know, and so a lot of decisions I make are based off of those types of things. How does it affect others? Um, you know, what is what is the best way? What is the you know honorable thing to do? You know, uh, but other people don't make decisions with with those thoughts or emotions tied to them. Um, many people in this country make decisions out of fear and hatred. And division and ignorance, um, and it's unfortunate, you know. Um, people have natural certain fears living in this world, and there's other people that like to exploit those fears to try to make those people do things that will, you know, benefit those people exploiting them. You know, uh, it's it's unfortunate, you know. Um, so our country's at a, I mean, we're, we're just at a weird, we're at a weird state here. Um, there, there's 71 million people that voted for a con man, a, a scoundrel, a, you know, an antichrist. Okay, that, that that's, I, I don't really know why that's a debate uh, among people who go to church a whole bunch. If you're going to church a whole bunch reading the Bible, um, Obviously, you shouldn't be voting for Trump, regardless of what letters next to his name. You know, who who cares? You know, that's not really relevant. Having a certain letter next to your name doesn't make you necessarily a good or bad person or something. You know, um, if an organization has a certain identity, a very clear message, and you enthusiastically align yourself with it, well, then you're going to be that organization's. Um, 
goals or whatever are going to be sort of applied to you and and assumed to be a line you know if you proudly claim that you're a member of proud boys or the aryan brotherhood or something it, it, well yeah people are going to know not assume they're going to know that you're racist and probably have a desire to cause harm to others who are different than you you know because that's what those organizations are so if you proudly admit that you're one of those or something well then yeah you're kind of aligning yourself with those kind of views so if an organization aligns itself with a person who is famous for lying cheating stealing kind of being a person who's the personification of the seven deadly sins just no no self-restraint at all none just and never outgrowing that phase because who am i to talk during my 20s uh i i certainly you know lived a pretty sinful life that's kind of embarrassing but at some point i'm gonna have to be more specific about the things that i did in my 20s because it's just you know as life gets older and whatever some things you know it, and i think that's almost like it's why some people probably avoid getting too into the public liar's eye or something is because they don't want to have to explain every little random skeleton that's in their closet, you know. It was a wild many years, and it's only now looking back, it's like, man, that was years of time of just being an idiot while still sort of trying to hold on to some grasp of being a, a decent person. And it wasn't until I was about 30-ish that I started, you know, outgrowing that a little bit. Trump is in his mid-70s, you know, and he's, although he doesn't drink or whatever, what he, what he, his drugs, if you will, are, are the seven deadly sins. Those are the things he just fully embraces and without any real apologies for it, you know. Greed, lust, pride, envy, wrath, sloth, gluttony. Did I get all of them? I had to know them all for confirmation when I was a kid. But he's kind of the embodiment of that. You know, he doesn't go take good care of us. He just eats junk food all the time, just eats crap. Lays around all day watching TV and tweets. Even though he has a job of great importance and a lot to do, he just is kind of indifferent. Loses and loses a whole bunch, but pretends to be something different. You know, you know it just is cannot admit defeat even when it's staring him right in the face. Greed. This this one's a big one with Trump. He he's been he's famous for being greedy. He was born extremely affluent, but he didn't really use any of his money for good. You know, he he pretended to a couple times. You know, he created a foundation, but then he used the money to buy paintings of himself. In some cases, you know. So greed is a big one that has thrived Trump's life. Wrath. He's a big on getting even with people who he believes have wronged him in some way. And some wrong, doing him wrong may mean simply stating a fact that um, conflicts with the narrative that he is presenting. You know, that could be a reason for him to be vengeful towards them. They are being honest and, and not just being subservient to him so he will fire them or whatever you know 
or spread rumors about them or something, or tried, tried to ruin their careers in some way because they were honest. He, he, he loathes honesty. Yeah. So, you know, and then Envy, like, Trump is, um, he, he wants to be the truly successful businessman. You know, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, Bezos, Zuckerman, no, Mark Zuckerberg, whatever. Um, he wants to be the Hollywood elite. He wants to be part of that. He wants to be friends and, and you know, admired of and, and well-respected by the Hollywood movie establishment. You know, all the Hollywood A-list actors, especially, more so than just the, you know, the studio execs, more so the A-list actors. He wants to have their support. He would love to have the support of, like, the liberal media or whatever, you know. He hates that he has to get all of his support from the kind of, well, you know, the, the group that Hillary Clinton referred to as a basket full of deplorables, you know. The, the, the large group of predominantly white folk with a basic education working a shit job living in a smaller town uh, who watch a lot of Fox News, InfoWars, and other sort of conservative uh, propaganda stations. And all their local news is, is broadcast by Sinclair. What do you call that big old group of people? Uh, you know, the working class Republican. You know? um, God bless them. Don't wish them any will will. They work hard. They, they work hard for their money. They are vital to the economy. Um, they, they build buildings. They construct roads. They maintain the electric grid. Um, they, you know, prepare food, harvest food. I mean, they do all kinds of different jobs that are vital to the interest of the economy. Um, but, you know, they, they got led astray. You know, life is hectic, life is busy, and so sometimes you don't really all have all that much time to, like, sit and watch news or even read a newspaper or something. And uh, as years have gone by, maybe you just didn't have much time to, like, follow the Trump story. Maybe you weren't as, uh, you know, tuned into that Trump story over the last several decades as, say, I was. You know, I became aware of Trump when I was in a single-digit age, you know. I think it was... I mean, I was a little, you know, when I first kind of saw him on TV, and then he would just always be around. Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, I remember seeing him on there when I was, I don't know, probably seven or eight. And some, he stood out from the other p people on that show. He just was odd, something just kind of off about him, because it was just, it's like, why does he have so much money? He doesn't seem that smart. You know, he, even as a kid, I kind of noticed that it's just, he, he didn't really seem like he really knew what he was talking about. And that's when he was smarter. He's kind of gotten dumber over the years, you know, because he had a, just a lot of brash, you know, and he, and he was younger. But he was just kind of goofy looking with his hair and stuff, even when he was in his, you know, late 30s, 40s and stuff. He was just an odd person. And then, you know, later on, it was just, he was famous for bankrupting companies, cheating on his wives, saying racist things, you know. And that's it. I mean, that's what he was famous for. He would appear on Howard Stern a lot, you know, as a guest on Howard Stern, and he would just kind of say stupid shit. 
you know, uh, he wrote a book, but he didn't actually write it. Somebody else wrote the book. Tony Schwartz wrote a book called Art of the Deal, in which Donald Trump is the subject. But Donald Trump got the claim that he wrote it, which is weird. You know, he, he doesn't write books. <laughs> Why would anyone think that Donald Trump writes a book? He barely, he's barely literate, you know? Um, and then the, the people that might argue that, it's like, because no, he, you know, he graduated from Wharton School of Business. University of Pennsylvania. Yeah, how did he get in there and why did he graduate? Why would a professor that knew him at the time say he was probably one of the dumbest students he's ever had? Why would a professor say that? Well, probably because it was true. Probably because Trump was among wealthy people going to the University of Pennsylvania in the early late 60s, early 70s, whatever. Uh, he was probably even another level of affluence than even that group. Uh, just kind of a stupendous level of wealth that just made him kind of aloof and probably you know the stories of just just him just kind of knowing that he didn't really have to lift a finger to just kind of coast through but that's just that's just who he was you know if you reward bad behavior you'll continue to get bad behavior and um, that's why you know Trump needs to be held accountable for what he's done throughout his life but uh, I also feel pity for him and uh, I hope that there's a opportunity for Trump to I think it'll be pretty difficult for him to fully vindicate himself but to leave this world with in some, on some kind of positive note doing something kind of noble and honorable for at least once in his life I'm not, in all honesty, that confident that he has it in him. Even these, this late in his life, like his his famous line, you know, what have you got to lose? You almost feel that way about him. Like, what have you got to lose, Donald? By it just for once in your life, doing something noble and grand, a, a good, noble, grand gesture that benefits others, purely other people. The benefit to him will be the, you know, spiritual reward and of sort of um, warming of, uh, you know, just feeling better. You know, he, he's a, he's a pretty sad, miserable person. Trump is, but think about that. You know, Trump is a sad, miserable person, angry all the time, pissed off. You know, he's not healthy and hasn't been for many years. He lives, He's lived his life in complete antithesis of the teachings of Jesus. He does have lots and lots and lots of money, lots of toys, but he's a sad, miserable person. He's got a beautiful wife. He lives in a big, fancy house and is the president of the United States of America currently and is worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Yet he's a sad, miserable person. Think about that. I know people who, you know, most people I've known in my life have wealth nowhere near Trump's. I have met some people that do have pretty extravagant wealth, you know, and got to, you know, I took care of their children at a summer camp. But, um, you know, 
many of them were happy. They had it. They had it. Kind of their priorities in check. Yes, they they still had lots of money, but it wasn't their only focus. When it's your only focus, it'll and it'll never feel fill the void ever. No amount of money is just gonna just instantly make you happy. You know. No. Well, now you made it. You know. No worries now. No more money, more problems. Now, there is, of course, exceptions. It's been times in my life when, you know, um, I was just working like day gigs just to get some some money. It would be like loaded on like a cash card. I remember one time I rode my bike from Vancouver, Washington to downtown Portland, bicycle, um, to the Portland Convention Center and worked two doubles as a, uh, well, not two doubles, worked a double, so a 16-hour shift, um, in the, uh, as a line cook, prep cook, mostly, more of a prep cook on the line there. And uh, it was like something like three or four different reunions going on at different parts of the convention center or something. So it was this 16-hour day, and then bicycle back to Vancouver, Washington. Need to say that was exhausted after that, but I got paid whatever it was. Not a lot of money, because <laughs> I think it was only uh, I think my wage was like twelve an hour maybe, and after taxes or whatever. But it was it was enough money to get like food for you know several days and to kind of get situated. Because there's you know there's no safety net in this country. If you fall into hard times, you're fucked. That's it. You know, figure it out. Um, you know, you're going through some things, you're trying to get out of the rat race for a bit, you, you know, you're kind of losing motivation to just continue to participate in the economy or whatever. You could, we as just going through things that we all go through, there ain't no time for that. You know, shut up and get a job. That's, I mean, that our country is a harsh unforgiving place at times you know it, it's a grind you, you know you got to grind it out just to kind of make it through sometimes and for many people once you kind of find some kind of something that's resembling a bit of a groove where you got some kind of at least some some kind of uh assurance or whatever that what you're doing is going to equate to enough money to pay for a place to stay, to live, and pay for food, and, and pay for a way to get around. Once you kind of got some sort of, oh, I'm going to do whatever work, and in exchange, then you, you just kind of stick with it, even if maybe it's, at times, not the most fulfilling thing, or, you know, but you, you just got to, because you, if you quit, you don't have something else lined up, then... You don't eat, you know. So I, I've had a few times here throughout over, over, throughout over the years where you know it was beyond just kind of pinching pennies, where you just kind of, you know, spaghetti noodles with ketchup type shit, you know, until the next bit of money comes in. And then uh, you know, every, every time I've been in one of those, I always say, well, I'm, you know, never again type thing, and that that's kind of how you can easily go to the other extreme where you're only focused on money and you know because you're so worried about never being poor but which of course you know if you would dominate it for 
three, four years. Say like, I think the average career in the NFL is only like two or three, it's like less than three years. But the average player is only going to be making, you know, a few hundred thousand. But if you, if you have earnings of a few hundred thousand dollars a year, and prior to that, uh, you were just, say, making 40 or 50 grand, um, there's things you can and should do to secure a, a, a certain level of basic sustenance for quite a while. And you should probably still keep working after those three or four years of six-digit income, but you have the ability to live modestly while you're making those kind of earnings, you can, you know, get a situation where you secure a certain level of sustenance in perpetuity. So then you have a little bit more freedom as to what you want to do, you know. Although, you know, maybe if you're making that kind of money, that is really what you want to do. Or meaning, like, even if you weren't getting paid as much, you would still enjoy doing it. But a lot of times that's not the case. But that would be... You know, that would be the thing is, uh, you know, you get that extra money, secure some basic things, get some things set up, you know, um, be financially responsible. You don't just need to buy all kinds of fancy things just because you can, but, you know, for a lot of people, that's, that's what motivates them to work is, you know, they want to get the fancy thing. For me, it's like, it'd be nice to make enough just to eat good, decent food, have a decent place to stay, not have to move all the time, and a, and a decent way to get around, you know. I'd like to have enough money to uh, print my uh, e-books into a, you know, paperback or hardback form. I write a lot of poetry. It's available on smashwords.com. Uh, I've published um, 10 or something, I, I forget, 10 or 11 uh, books of uh, poetry available on smashwords.com. Uh, it's been a while since the last one, but, you know, a little extra money, you can, it's easier to invest in yourself and your community and stuff, you know, but this country, yeah, there, there ain't no safety net, let alone, like, easy, no strings, kind of, type things, you know, easy ways to invest in yourself, you gotta, you gotta sort it out a lot on your own, not necessarily saying it's all bad, that, uh, we are kind of forced to be fairly self-reliant, um, but it, you know, better safety nets, a safety net is just that. It's a safety net. Something to catch if someone falls, you know, um, falls doing something daring or inspiring or adventurous, you know. You, you, you know, yes, yeah, sometimes you're going to slip if you're really going for it. You know, I was playing rugby for a while. It's a fun, amazing, viscerally exciting sport. Uh, but it does have, you know, it's a, it's a contact sport. And you you know, so there are there are injuries. Would have been nice to have proper, you know, healthcare coverage during that time and access to real, you know, good specialists and rehab type stuff like pro athletes do. 
so I could have could have played you know a little longer with more confidence but uh once I got that first injury kind of had to adapt it had to adapt quite a bit and stuff you, know, you have to kind of adapt your lifestyle to what type of benefits you get and stuff you know what type of healthcare coverage you have does kind of dictate your behavior a little bit you know um you know if you are and i've had to think about that because you know i like trail running and stuff you know and i guess with that something like that it's like you know if i sprain an ankle or something like that i, I can self-heal that but if i you know fall off the side of a cliff and break my leg or you know tear some ligaments in my knee or something or some shit a little more intense you know you, you want to have the ability to go to a doctor and have them look at it and not have to uh you know liquidate all your assets to do it ideally you know that would be a little better but there's been a few times many times throughout adult life where i've kind of you know, been kind of forced to ease off or kind of forced to kind of, because the, the system in this country kind of forces everyone to kind of maintain a continuous, you know, it, it's the grind, you know, there's a groove thing and they just want you to kind of stay in it, even if it just feels like you're just sort of running around in circles, not really getting anywhere. Um, and I guess also for a person like me who has uh, epilepsy, um, it's just a condition where you have random surges of energy in the brain. Um, and sometimes they can exhibit themselves with various uh, types of uh, seizures and, and whatnot. One in 72 people have epilepsy. Being a person like me, uh, that you know, trying to find the, the right particular groove, knowing that I'm the one that likes to kind of, I'm wired for kind of bouncing around and, and, and doing different things you know I'm not wired for just doing one thing my the entirety of my life it's just not who I am at least as far as like a job as far as like a faith I have the same beliefs that I did many years ago what how I describe them have changed over the years but I'm, I'm still the same person I was when I was 12 I'm just older I believe the same exact things though um, and uh, I guess older now I more vocal about it i have a podcast where i've mentioned being a christian many times and uh you know just becoming more vocal that probably need to start going to church more often but it's finding the right one i guess i just i have a lot of concern with this place this country i don't know what we are really what what is the united states of america is it just a purely individualistic do whatever you want place is it really a land of opportunity is it really was it really just this this place of is it really just a place of greed and you know i, I don't really know there, there's so many amazing people in this country you know there's so many good people and there's a lot of good people too that are in the MAGA crowd, the Trump supporters, you know, I have family and friends from college that supported Trump, even in 2020. Is it difficult to sort of um, 
what you call it to sort of resolve those two things you know good friends and family of mine who I've highly respect and admire like from college and stuff and and uh, you know adult life those people supporting Trump is that hard to resolve it, very much so it, it doesn't make a lot of sense you know I understand people 20 years ago voting Republican Party and all that you know well, I like small government and I'm a fiscal conservative so am I you know <laughs> yeah we shouldn't be spending more money than we're bringing in yes fiscal conservative conservatism balanced budget sounds awesome small government yes yes please I am a progressive I do like small government yeah what is small what is big it's more of an idea I like the idea of it being small less intrusive so not government run healthcare government funded healthcare the hospitals are a hospital where right? it's run and maintained by medical professionals they get money from the government to run the hospital but yeah the, the hospital is still you know a normal hospital it's medical professionals that run the place not government bureaucrats no 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 you know but you know and then and sort of you know who people can marry and what type of medical procedures they're allowed to get or what type of plants people can grow none of that should be the business of the federal government I'm for small government and fiscal conservatism how much money are we spending on things and how much money are we bringing in and ideally what are the things that we need to do you know that we need to fund well in this country we need to make sure people have enough food to eat we need to make sure that people have health care we need to make sure that the roads and bridges that people are using and driving on are safe and well maintained we need to make sure that the air that people is breathing is clean and not toxic same with the water and the soil that people are planting their crops in and we need to make sure that our country is protected from foreign invaders a proper defense there is because again we are humans we do live on planet earth and humans have been warring with each other for tens of thousands of years and it is clear at this point in the year 2020 in the 21st century that um, there are still too many humans who have no desire to stop having wars to resolve disputes over ownership stake of a certain um, natural resource that is in a particular area and that is the primary reason for most wars um, is, is control of natural resources so yeah even though we're in the 21st century 2020 we as a species still continue to this day to have wars over such silly things as uh, ownership of a natural resource um, that is in another country's you know another peep group of people's place of residence you know this other area wants to take control of it and that's kind of you know that that's big reason for a lot of the wars and sometimes they're disguised as uh, sort of political or, or ideological differences in how to live but not no it's it, it's about control and power and natural resources and that's what they're really about um, you know yeah that's it so you know it's unfortunate that we are still at that point so need, needless to say yes military defense is still an appropriate thing
and a a necessary thing. But for me, it should be more, I'm a small government progressive, so military defense should be defense, primarily defense, not an imperial force that's constantly invading other countries, but defense. But yes, defense of us, all the people within our borders and our allies as well. Yes, I, I think that's important. You know, our our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world aren't being invaded by this, you know, you know, other imperial army that's trying to take over that country's resources and is, you know, causing and wants to instill some sort of fascist government. You know, Russia invading Ukraine. And, uh, you know, those are important things to kind of help out with to prevent any and the, the strategy should be purely defense as much as possible, i.e. defending, preventing the invaders from taking over said thing and, and, and pushing them back. But not not necessarily invading that country, I don't think. should be constantly, you know, the invading country. There should be ways to, you would think at some point in the, our evolution as a species, we would have come up with other ways to deal with those types of personalities that become powerful and then use all their power to enrich themselves and get more power for them individually and there's little to any benefit to the people actually living in that place you know um you'd think we could could find a way to to just not allow those types to become president but even in our society um, we have the right to vote. In some countries, you don't even have the right to vote, which is why you get sort of stuck with authoritarian leaders is because they just sort of get sworn in, you know, or what? not even sworn in. They just sort of are handed the job. It's their turn or whatever. We had the right to vote, you know, and our country almost picked Trump a second time. They almost picked the authoritarian when they had the option to pick whoever they wanted many people picked the authoritarian option the you know divide and conquer person the you know it stoke violence to people who disagree with you the sort of lie about everything type person and if it benefits you in some you know even short-term way um, you know, so w- why did people do that? <laughs> what What is the appeal? How do we get people back to, especially people who are professing to be Christian, su- professing to be supporting of the teachings of Jesus, suppressed, professing to be followers of Jesus, how do we get them back on the path? Because they are not following it right now. Okay, if you're claiming to be Christian and you're supporting Trump, you've made a mistake. And you know it is the thing. You know that. And you shouldn't really need a person like me to point that out because I'm a, you know, a hippie liberal or whatever. Probably like Jesus would be. So, you know, it, it's unfortunate that you're not getting the message from the church leaders themselves. You know, they're the ones that kind of told you to vote Trump. So, I hope and pray that those who have been led astray back to the light and get back to a better path of righteousness and honor and and dignity. We can do it. Stay safe out there. God bless.
physical.